Good evening, Metsville and baseball fans everywhere. My name is Michael Lacolin, a.k.a. the Brooklyn Trolley Blogger. Welcome to a Metsian podcast featuring Sam, Rich, and Mike. Rich, however, is away this week, so it's just Sam, me, and us talking Mets baseball on this, our 36th official episode. Sam, hello, my friend. Hello, Mike. Uh, you know, we have a lot to talk about. Um, you know, it, it's not like we've been watching bad baseball completely. Uh, it's just not, as I said off air, exceedingly well or better than the competition. You know, yeah, well put, I said. Uh, we went through a lot of topics before the show even started. You know what, Sam? Take a second and, and let's do some let's do some shameless plugging. Why don't we? Yeah, that's not, that's not a bad idea. Uh, you know, I am the converted Mets fan, although uh, it's sometimes uh, a little uh, uh, barren of of content uh, at certain times. Sometimes that's superstition taking over um, because I didn't write as much when the, the Mets were winning in 2015 and 2016, and when the Mets started winning this year, uh, I wasn't writing, and so I was like, well, I can't start now. So, um, you know, I was kind of on, on vacation slash workcation in Denver, and um, I, uh, I, I haven't been convert, converted Mets fanning it as uh, often lately, but you know what? I, I have other priorities to take care of, and the Mets can't always take every single damn hour of every single damn day, unfortunately. Uh, for some, it can, and that's that's uh, more power to them. Uh, Bedford and Sullivan, it's another podcast, as well as uh, an HBO-style TV series about Brooklyn and the Dodgers that I want to make. Uh, and uh, screenwriter, filmmaker, actor all over the place. Uh, that is my shameless plug of the night, sir. That, that's quite a list, my friend. Me, I'm just an old guy with a blog. Brooklyn Trolley Blogger. You can tell what the spin in indicates. Just Brooklyn Trolley Dodgers, you know, in a modern context. So uh, enough with our shameless plugs. You know, do some research, find us, check us out. Uh, Sam, you know, you, you put it very well. The Mets aren't playing that badly. They're not playing that well. But the out the the, the competition is you know outplaying them. Uh, sort of interesting. They're seventy one and sixty eight at the moment. Four and a half games back of the second wild card. They got three teams ahead of them. Uh, here's a positive number: they're thirty-one and eighteen in the second half. Great. Uh, that yeah, great. You know, I'm trying to put a positive spin on this so we don't spend a, a whole hour poo-pooing this matter. Uh, we left off saying that these last twelve games were were largely going to define their season. Uh, three games versus Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, and Washington. Obviously, they lost the first six and then took two or three from Philly and two or three from Washington. Uh, Sam, at this point, today, September 5th at 9.04 p.m., are you giving up? No, I'm not giving up. I just think that it's uh, the pretty realistic, you know, take uh, of yours and Rich's, you know, a few podcasts ago, and I think of, of others that have been on the show, uh, shameless plug there, um, was that the Mets were going to play, give us some good baseball, but probably still not be able to get over the hump to to be able to to cross into these playoffs. You know, they they have been on the precipice a few times at, at certain points during this run. And unfortunately, you know, this we're talking about knocking on the door just a half game out after going on a crazy, like, 16 out of 17 run or whatever it was, uh, 15 out of 16, you know. Um, it would have been amazing had they been able to win that last game and they would have, I believe, either gone ahead of Washington or tied them or something. Uh, but they weren't able to do it, and unfortunately they've fallen four and a half back since being that close. Um, I, I think that, you know, what what really sucks is, like, let's take Paul Seawald and Familia, for example, because I think the bullpen is a proper place to start because 
this is basically the theme of this year more than many other years where the Mets just missed the playoffs, including 2008. Uh, that was a bad bullpen, but this is historically awful. And um, even though they've been better of late, you talk about Paul Seawald, you talk about yours familiar, where they, they've kept, especially Paul just coming up, he had some light lights-out performances that allow you to think, you know, maybe if Paul Seawald, you know, who has had some success at certain points, but has never been able to sustain that success. Just you know, with, you know, talk of the of of the organization and of of um, Familia's year. Uh, Familia has not been able to get into cons- consistent levels of success, and especially this last outing. I mean, he was he was bad before that, uh, in in the outing when I think he had. Some something to say in the uh, the game that it was just one of the worst losses in Mets history. Um, I, I I think that you know the other this past game he walked to and then just on the precipice of success strikes somebody out has two outs just can't get it done two runs score. Um, it, it you know they're just if. if People like Paul Seawald or people like Familia got it together. And we're so lucky that Wilson, Justin Wilson, Louis Avalon, um, Seth Lugo, uh, these guys have really stepped it up and solidified the back end of this bullpen to the point that if Edwin Diaz was even remotely good, this would be we, – we'd have enough really going for us. Uh, but right now, Edwin Diaz, you know, people are saying you can't bring him back. I mean, it's tough to say whether you can or can't because I'm still, like, flabbergasted that it's gotten this bad. Like, you know, Edwin Diaz shouldn't be this bad, and he's got to be injured. I mean, what what's your take? Uh, I stopped trying to figure out Diaz. I, I, I don't have answers. I really don't. His arm... Uh, seems live. The velocity's there. It's just that he throws up these frisbees, and you know they get launched out of ballparks. Uh, you know, is that correctable? Well, we've already been through Dave Island and 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 Phil Regan's here now, and Mickey Calloway's a pitching coach. Uh, you know, so I don't have I don't have any answers where. where Concerns Diaz. Uh, and, and let me I ask you. Let me ask you this. Yeah, sure. Where is Brett Brackman in all of this? You know, he he had some pretty solid first outings for this Mets team. And why is Bashler in the game? Why is is Matza in the game before what could like you know? Brack hasn't had any you know hasn't you know, had one step forward, two steps back, like Paul Seawald. Brack has had some pretty resounding consistency since he came over here. Where is he in this entire equation? My answer to that is Mickey's rotations. Uh, He's pretty set on, you know, day in, day out. He's got two guys for this day. He'll let them go two days in a row, then he'll give them a day off. Meanwhile, the other pair, they're getting appearances sometimes back to back. And these other guys you mentioned are the variables. They're the guys who aren't paired off with anybody. Uh, and, and Mickey Calloway has been very, uh, very strict with his diet, so to say. <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> but getting back to Diaz, no, I, I, I run out of, you know. I run out of ideas what ails this man. I, I just don't know anymore. And I'm watching this game for, you know, 45 years, if not more. Uh, seen many pitches come and go, good ones, bad ones, and uh, everything in between. Uh, speaking of which, Familia, you know, some of these numbers are just are just alarming. And alarming, they're just... Oh my goodness! He's appeared in 55 games this season and pitched 49 innings. 
in which he's allowed 49 hits, Sam, and 41 walks. Now, you know, he had a legitimately effective August. He really did. He had a good month of August. But as you indicated, in these last two appearances, he's allowed five runs on four hits and four walks and just 1.2 innings pitched. On Wednesday, they were able to survive him, but on Tuesday, not so much. Uh, here's another one for you, for you, Sam. All season long, all season long, from opening day to the present time, his ERA is yet to fall below five. Right now, it stands at 596, but it has yet to fall below five. And we're stuck with him now. It's September, you know, 5th. The minor league seasons are over. So whatever we're going to do, he's going to be a part of it, along with these other guys. You know what else is funny, son? Let's uh, let's lighten the moment for a second. Going back to that September 3rd catastrophe that was, what, the Mets score five runs in the ninth and go up seven runs or, or something like that? No, they give up. They they score five runs in the top of the ninth, and they give up seven runs in the bottom of the ninth and lose eleven ten. Yes, yes. That that same day, that same day at Syracuse, the Syracuse Mets are playing uh, Scranton, the Yankees AAA affiliate, and and Syracuse blows a thirteen six lead. This was for the division tiebreaker. They blow a thirteen six lead, Sam, and lose fourteen thirteen. Like affiliate, like parent club, or should I have put that the other way around? Is, is, is that funny or what? Yeah, that is crazy. I didn't realize that was the same day. Um, I did see that score. And, uh, you know, I think here here's the thing. I said it jokingly a couple podcasts ago, but if this team wins the World Series, it will be the greatest miracle of all time. <laughs> you see you know, it's funny. You and, speak miracles. I'm sorry to interrupt. You speak miracles. And here we are. With, like I said, when I'm playing contrarian here. They're 71 and 60. Like I said, four and a half games back of a wild card. Isn't this one of those you got to believe moments? In 73, they were in bad shape. In 2015, they were in bad shape until the trade deadline. You know? Uh, let's throw another one. 1999, game five. Think of what we had to do. And think of game six if we could have only pulled that one off. Is this not a, a you got to believe moment, Sam? Oh, it totally is. But you, you, <laughs> what you know, you have it. You have to suspend disbelief to think that this team can can bulldoze their way through anything. You know, it, it's it. it and, right. and that's the thing. And that's the thing too. I'll I'll say that. It's probably good for all of us if this team doesn't really get over the hump because otherwise, you know, everybody is going to have too much hubris in that front office and ownership to think that, you know, what they put together succeeded. Because as we have have seen, uh, there's a lot of work to be done, which we'll get to in due time. Yeah. You know, Sam, if the last 12 games didn't kill them, Perhaps the next 10 will. Uh, they're coming home, and they have another series with Philly, one with Arizona, four games with Arizona who are ahead of them in the, in the wild card race, and three games with the Dodgers, the West-leading Dodgers, I might add. Uh, you know, so the schedule offers no quarter. But as you say, let's dispel some of these myths as to how good or not this team really is. I call it the Dirty Dozen, the last 12 games. They went 4-8. Uh, during that six-game losing streak, try this on for size. They hit 224 with 14 walks, 49 strikeouts, 44 left on base, and are only 7 for 48. That's a 146 average with runners in scoring position. That was the six-game losing streak. Then they play Philly, and the numbers go up. They hit 293, 29 for 99, 
uh, 10 walks, 20 strikeouts, 22 left on base, and they hit 333, 20 for 60 with runners in scoring position. And then against Washington, they bat 318 with 14 walks, 21 strikeouts, 19 left on base, and go 12 for 32. That's 375 with runners in scoring position. There's your 12 games. The grand total, they hit 264 with 38 walks, uh, 90 strikeouts, 85 runners left on base, and hit, shall we call it, a decent 278 with runners in scoring position, 39 for 140. That's the 12 games, and that's what the numbers say. In their four wins, they hit 426. In their eight losses, they hit 226. No coincidence there. Any reaction with regards to those numbers and splits? You know, the offense can be frustrating at times, but overall, let's let's not mince words here. They're pretty fantastic and astounding. And, you know, it's not just consistently across the year getting leads for the, these teams that are not held by the bullpen, um, but they they get big hits. They get timely hits. Hits that, you know, with two outs, um, you know, even Todd Frazier, if you dissect the numbers, streaky hitter, but has generally been consistent with runners in scoring position. Um, say what you want about him. He's a very frustrating player, but he doesn't really represent the contact-oriented approach that is is up and down the the, uh, uh, the, the offense. And Robinson Cano came out of the gate today from – you know, basically picked up where he left off when he got injured. Um, if if Robinson Cano could salvage this trade at all, and it's hard to believe he will, but we forget how athletic this guy is. He came back from a tear, and we don't know how long he's going to last on that field now, but it's so impressive the willpower Robinson Cano continuously has to get back on the field, and, and he's 36 now. You, you know, it, it's it's tough. Um, but I, I think we need to get away from the villa the vilifying of Robinson, Robinson Cano here um, because I think he's been, you know, the, he, he's been fantastic on top of that step uh, during this entire period that he's been injured. You know, both him and Dom are, are, you know, remarkable cheerleaders for this team. And, um, you know, we we need him to do well because he's not going anywhere. And the only thing we can do is hope for the best with it. And today was a – or yesterday, excuse me, was a good start. So – but I think that's also a good way of segueing how good Panic's been since, you know – being acquired during the time, the stretch that Robinson Cano was out. Without a doubt. Uh, circling back to Cano, you know, I'll, I'll go that way with you. Uh, I went to the game, I believe it was Monday, he played for the Cyclones. First two times up, he grounded out, but this first time up, uh, he busted it out of the box. He hustled up the first baseline, and he looked, he looked good doing it, you know? So, uh, Maybe his injury wasn't as serious as we would let we're, we're led to believe, you know, and, and maybe we can get another healthy 23 games out of him, uh, which is what's left in the regular season. Panic, good acquisition, you know. What, what, what's not to like? Uh, I, I just wish we were in a different condition to where he'd be coming off the bench instead of having to rely on him. You know, and I guess that circles back to uh, to Cano. But uh, it is what it is, and good acquisition. Uh, good mention by you, Sam. Yeah, no, you know, I, I think um, it, it, it's a match made in heaven from the DFA perspective. Um, he's a local boy. Uh, he's looking to prove that he 
you know, that that his stretch with the Giants has been an aberration. Uh, you know, this was an all-star. This was a gold glover. Um, he he very well could not be done. And not to say, I think that, that his role has, has been used well. They, they haven't really completely depended on him. You know, Jeff McNeil has been out at some for some time, and luckily we were winning during that weird period. Uh, but I think that the, the entire thing, the mix and match is going to, especially if Lowry comes back, you know, uh, which may or may not happen, you, you, you actually might have some updates on that, considering you we're uh, going to talk about the Cyclones at some point. Uh, yeah, okay, let's, let's do that. Uh, the Brooklyn Cyclones. Jed Lowry did indeed play. He played second base. He had a home run in the fourth inning, first pitch of the inning, uh, first one he saw over the uh, right field wall. Brooklyn wins. Wait a second. One. So, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, <laughs> not no. To bury what's the lead. your question? What's your question? My question. No, not not to bury the lead. My question was going to be. I mean, you were you were about to you know give the big reveal, but it sounds like the big reveal is that Jed Lowry won the playoff game for uh, the Brooklyn Cyclones. Ted Lowry did indeed win the game for the Cyclones. Uh, and one of one of the tighter races of recent memory, uh, you know, mind you, the Cyclones haven't been in the playoffs since, uh, I believe, uh, 2012. Uh, but in one of the oh, more wow. tighter races, yeah, one, in one of the more tighter races I can recall, because Hudson Valley is, uh, I believe, two or three-time division champions until this season. Anyway, Brooklyn and Hudson Valley end the regular season in a tie for first place, but because of tiebreakers, Brooklyn is the McNamara division champion. Hudson Valley enters the playoffs as the wild card. Yesterday was game one at Dutchess County. The Renegades win. Today was game two at Coney Island. And as we mentioned, Jed Larry hits the, or provides the only run of the game, a solo home run in the fourth on the first pitch he sees. And uh, the Cyclones throw a a combined no-hitter for six and a third innings until broken up in the seventh. Uh, But they end the game allowing just one hit, no runs, for the whitewash and a game two victory. Uh, me, I'm very happy. I will be going to the game tomorrow night. And uh, let's go Cyclones. Sam. Let's go Cyclones. Hi, sorry. I, I was uh, about That's... to say, let's go Cyclones. I well, was, yeah, the I point was is, Jed Lowry see... lives. Yeah, no, I was, I was going to Twitter to see what Twitter is saying. Jed Lowry isn't sure if tonight's rehab game was his last or not, but here he is after the game talking about his season, injury status, and why he chose to sign with the Mets this past offseason. <laughs> well, odds are, you know, they'll take advantage of, of this next known quantity, which is tomorrow's game. He'll probably play for them. Uh, depending on what they do, they might allow him to stay with the Cyclones uh, in the second round. Uh, depends, I guess. Uh, but you know, the guy exists. He's Maybe real. that's what they want to do. I mean, right right now, like, here's the question. Do you want Jed Lowry immediately thrusted into this playoff race in the majors? Or can you, since he hasn't played all season, do you might as well have him get his legs under him as a veteran presence on a playoff run with just out of college, you know, potential champions? Well, let me ask you. Let's say he comes back to the Mets tomorrow. Do you start him? Where and at whose expense? Uh, I don't know. It's a great question. That's the, that's the sixty-four thousand dollar question. No, I'm not think, so sure. He's right now, he's right starting now. at second, and he and he's starting at second for the for the Cyclones. He played second base this evening. Yes. Is Jed Lowry better at second base and at bat than any second baseman the Cyclones could provide during this playoff run? Uh, that's not the way rehab. You know, when you're on rehab assignment, you take precedence. Right, of course, of course. So, that, so that's where they fit him in, uh, and that's where he got his playing time and at bats. You know, so 
sometimes they well, course, you know, sometimes they shoot on you into a position, and, and that's the way it goes. I hear that. Well, I think that um, uh, how how much longer could it potentially be the season? Well, tomorrow's game would decide a lot, but assuming the Cyclones win, the second round, the finals, is another two of three. So, you know, you have two games at the very least, three games at the very most. So before next week is through, he can be back at flush. Before next week is through. Okay. Before next weekend, he can be back in flushing. I think he should probably just keep playing Cyclones baseball. <laughs> I agree. I agree. As long as they're playing, let him play there. That season's going to come to an end. When it does, he can come to Flushing. I'm not so sure he's where winning, he fits. He's winning ball, ball games. He's winning ball games for the, uh, you know, the Coley Island crew. And it's not a hologram. It's, a, it's an actual person. How do you like that? <laughs> Actually, Jed Lowry. <laughs> One Ooh. last note about the Cyclones. Uh, Edgardo Alfonso met great. Uh, this season won his 100th regular season game with the Cyclones. Any comments on that? Uh, his stock is going up. He started with some poor seasons, if I'm correct. You can kind of fill me uh, in on back that. Back-to-back 40-win uh, seasons. Back-to-back 40-win back back seasons. Back-to-back 40-win seasons, which in, you know, the New York Penn League is a big deal. Uh, the last five, six seasons haven't been going so swell. So he's at, he's at the hell now. And been, how, long has he been, how long has he been a Cyclone uh, manager? Uh, this, is, this is his third season. Okay, so, so his first season was bad. First season did not go well. But that was coming off of another bad season. And that was coming off of another bad season. And, you know, uh, his first season was, I believe, Sandy Alderson's second-to-last draft. You know, I think this is a good segue to kind of talk about what happened to Wally Backman, considering that he, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was one of the best cyclone seasons of all time, uh, one of the most fun runs that I witnessed. I saw them win in the 12th. Yeah. At like at uh, what should be called Cyclones Park, but it's it's uh, how am I forgetting about what, what is the new park called? MCU National park. Greenfield, MCU. No, MCU, MCU. MCU. Um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, arrested on another domestic charge. Are there any new details surfacing since the, what we first heard? All I. All I understand is that, you know, he got into a a dispute with his female friend and that he perhaps tried preventing her from using the phone and he might have shoved her. That's all I understand uh, from just a clip here and a clip there on TV and whatnot. Uh, Well, I I think we can say uh, uh, without a doubt 100% that Wally Backman's major league potential career as a manager is over. Well, the Ducks issued a statement, and they say, you know, for now they'll be sticking with him until uh, all the details come out and the matter is uh, there's there's more details that are disclosed, you know, Uh, but for now they're sticking with him and what? If there was any chance left of Wally Backman getting a shot to try to get back to major leagues, no, not anymore. Yeah, it's over. It's over. You know, that that cat exhausted ten lives. You know, it's a shame, too, because he's got a brilliant baseball mind. Uh, you talk to any player who's ever played foreign with him, you know, they're, they're, they're all in on Wally Backman. It's just that his personal behavior just gets the best of him. Uh, and, look, how old is he already? And he hasn't changed his ways. Sometimes people don't. Uh, maybe he has to learn his lesson the hard way. I don't know. It's a shame because, you know, I, I think both of us uh, have always been Wally Backman supporters as far as the Mets job. But, no, you're right, Tim. Uh, any chance of him getting a, an MLB job now are just completely out of the question. Yeah, it's it's a shame. I think that he should have been manager of the Mets a long time ago, but 
you know, unfortunately, this was one of the things that was keeping him from doing so. And it sucks that people are proven right, if you will. Oh, yeah. You have to go there. Yeah, people got proven right. (laughs) You know what else? It's the reason why it's just like, like, you know, like, like Terry, Terry's been arrested before. Terry has also been known, I think, to, to enjoy drinking, but, you know, he doesn't have, he, he wasn't having severe domestic issues year after year after year. Well, you know what? I, I can certainly say that there's no longer a tolerance for that kind of behavior. You know, there used to be, the time decades ago when stuff like that used to be swept under the rug, you know, and women had to live in silence and, and suffer in silence, you know. So uh, I, I'm by no means a Wally apologist, uh, but I think his behavior speaks for itself, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, well, you know you what know, else I think Sam? Where, where, yeah, where do you want to segue? Where do you want to segue? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say, wait, man, because this Wally Backman talk is getting me depressed. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Michael Conforto. I wanted to pick on him. I, I, I've i had a bone to pick with him. Again, referring back to the Dirty Dozen, these last 12 games. He batted 276 over those over those games with three doubles, a home run, and four runs batted in. In eight of those games, he batted 182, two for 11, with runners in scoring position. Uh how does that meet your expectations of Michael Conforto? Um, I don't like how streaky he gets, and he gets on these these uh, strikeout tears, which I, I like the juxtaposition of the sentence just then. But I think I think that um, you know, when he when he's going, he's just as hot as ever. Uh, but I, I I think I lost. Uh, um, I, I was kind of uh, uh, dozed off at some point uh, uh, during the numbers. I didn't. Mean, I don't mean like I, I was kind of just just spaced out for a second while you were reading the numbers. But two for eleven with runners in scoring position. Is that what you said? That is correct. Okay. So um, no, I think he needs to be a little bit better with those numbers. If he's getting if he's getting eleven chances. You can't just get two hits if you're Michael Conforto at this point. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's hard for me to say that they've really suffered considering, I mean, yeah, maybe they could have gotten more runs to really put the Nationals away, but you need to win a 10-4 game. you got to win a 10-4 game going into the bottom, bottom of the night. And Michael Conforto Absolutely. is not the reason why the Mets are losing. Absolutely. No, they should have swept the Nationals, without a doubt. You want to talk about happy things? Let's talk about Wilson Ramos, somebody I wasn't exactly yeah. that high on earlier in the season. Uh, but the man, you know, he posted a 26-game hitting streak, bro. Uh, there's a lot to say for that. He started that streak. I mean, he's 30 games, 30, 30 games away from the greatest of all time is, is not, no, too no, shabby it, it, for a cat, not too shabby for a catcher. No, to have it stopped at that point, no, not at all. As a matter of fact, you know, uh, catches, as we know, they have a lot of burdens placed on their shoulders, man. So it's a tough position, a physical position for him to hit 26 straight games. Uh, that's hot stuff, man. And like I said, August 3rd, he started the streak with a four-for-five day with a double, a home run, and six RBIs against the Pirates. How do you like them apples? And uh, hey, he almost got it. Almost got another another hit if it weren't for Howard Kendrick. Yeah, he beat that one out. He almost beat that one out, I should say. Uh, that would have been nice to see. That, uh, a hustling base hit within the streak. That would have been nice to see. Uh, during the streak, he batted four thirty. Uh, so you know, well done by him, Wilson Ramos. What say you, Sam? Yeah, you know, I think that from an offensive standpoint, this is turning into pretty good signing uh, for Brody Von Wagenen. Um, you know, and and he seems to still be a leader behind the the. He, basically, they've needed him to catch more, and you couldn't have Nido down the stretch, Nido down the stretch, while uh, the Mets have been getting back into it. 
Wilson Ramos has been absolutely on a tear. And the the Mets pitchers have stepped up and pitched better to him lately. So uh, I forget how, how many years did they sign him? Just one year deal? Ramos is on a two year deal, I believe, with an option, a club option, if I'm not mistaken. Although I could be mistaken. But he signed for two I know, years. I know that Mets. Uh, I know that the, uh, the Mets are. Um, you know, uh, Mets' daddy, excuse me, was talking about wanting to trade Wilson Ramos at some point. But uh, if he's sitting like this for the next year and a half, then what say you? <laughs> uh, you know what? It's a good question, Sam, because you can't deny that kind of offensive production from a catcher. But at, at my core, I'm a Jerry Grody kind of guy. You know, I want a defensive specialist. I want a a, a superlative receiver. You know what I mean? Uh, so if I had my druthers, I, I'd go with a more defensive-oriented catcher over an offensive-oriented catcher. Uh, but can I can I say team, can I ask my team needs to be constructed differently? Renee Rivera, just for shits and giggles, Renee Rivera came up before August thirty-first, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I much prefer Renee Rivera as the backup. What do you um, say? <laughs> you know, I, I, again. It, um, yeah. Well, what's the saying? Uh, necessity is the mother of all invention. If the Mets I think stay he's in a this... better bad. He's a better bad catcher. Oh he's yeah, a without, a doubt. A, without he's, a doubt. He's a better you know, bad. Yeah. He's a he's a better bad hitter. <laughs> without a doubt, if I were constructing a team, and you know, tomorrow opening day, I'd definitely go with him. But like I said, necessity is the mother of all invention. If the Mets are close in these. Uh, next few series, like I said, against Philly, Arizona, L.A., uh, they're going to have to go with the offense. They're going to have to go with Wilson Ramos, and they're going to have to ride him like a mule. Uh, I hope his knees hold up, you know, but if if that's where the season's heading, well, you know, at some point, you got to run these guys into the ground. Uh, Yeah, I would rather have a defensive specialist back there, but, you know, Way, way, way the differences between runs saved and runs produced, I guess. You know, but I, I think in this scenario, uh, Nito and Ramos, it, it's really a no-brainer. Uh, if you're really going to reconcile, if you're really going to reconcile the, the position, do it right. You know, I don't think uh, September 5th is, you know, when you pull the plug on Ramos and say, all right, let's go this way. And let me also speak to the fact that, like, some some may wonder why wasn't Rene Rivera up here sooner. Um, obviously, Nito got in, into some concussion issues to, for Rene Rivera to get called up. Yeah. But um, uh, let, let me just that. let me say, let me also say though that, you know, you forget sometimes that you have to have a winning ball club down below as well. And the fact that Rene Rivera was able to break as hard as he did in AAA this year is good for the, a first-year affiliate. Absolutely. No, Syracuse had a – look, they played in the uh, division tiebreaker. So I'm sure Syracuse fans were happy. Uh, if not on the parent club, you know, Bernie Van Wagenen did a good job to Syracuse acquiring all these people to minor league contracts, et cetera. So <laughs> I know I know we're talking about this in jest, but you know it, it was indeed a good good year for Syracuse. <laughs> Let's. Well, uh, yeah, you know, uh, did you did you get up there? No, not yet. I'm I'm planning that that road trip perhaps next summer. Uh, this was not the summer of road trips for me. This was the summer was all about work, as you know. Uh, but hopefully next summer I'm going to do the. Uh, Syracuse Rochester Buffalo swing. Uh, I've been meaning to do that one for a while, so you know I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. Uh, Buffalo, Buffalo. Why does Buffalo come to mind and polar bear? I don't know, but it's an animal. So let's make the transition. Pete Alonzo, the polar bear. 
Home run number 45. Uh, well, he's already broken the record shared by Beltran and Todd Unley. Uh, it's just the it's, it's remarkable in, in in the pace that he's been breaking these records. Uh, home runs before the All-Star game, Dave Kingman. Home runs by a Met rookie, Strawberry. Uh, National League rookie, uh, Cody Bellinger. And now he's chasing down Aaron Judge. The speed with which he's going about this is is remarkable. And like I've been saying all season, his adaptability, you know, because pitchers and, and scouting and analytics, you know, there's a constant battle of adjustments. And he's been, you know, rolling with the punches. And, you know, uh, the numbers speak for themselves. His performance speaks for itself. What do you think? I think it's just remarkable. I mean, how many games did you say are left? Uh, 23 games left in the season. You know, if he goes so on a what? really crazy tear. He's seven he shy of really Aaron Judge's record. If he goes on a really crazy tear, I mean, we could be talking about him potentially hitting 60. I know I don't want to jinx it, but that's, it's not that's that far crazy. off. That's crazy to think. I'm not, I'm not even... 15 home runs. He's 15 home 15 runs home away runs in 23 games. games. In 23 games. I mean, it's uh, it's it's not unheard of, but at the same time, like... We're like, talking roughly, roughly. He, he's and probably I, I not going to do it, but 55, but 55 is not out of the question. I think I'm on the shy side, but let's just say he has 90 at-bats left in the season. Ninety, just ninety at bats. I'm just going twenty-three games multiplied by so four. So let's let's say so let's say which comes out only, fifty-two, and I rounded down to Let's say he only if he only got fifteen hits, he'd be batting one sixty-seven. If he got if if he got fifteen home runs, but those are the only hits he got, he'd be batting one sixty-seven. <laughs> tell you what is he so he'd have to get so he'd have to get let's say 25 to 30 hits with 15 of them being home uh yeah as a matter of fact it's funny you say that more than half of his 136 hits have been for extra bases and 60 percent of those have been home runs. Do I need to say that again? 60% of his extra base hits are home runs. More than half, more than half of his 136 hits have gone for extra bases. 60% of those have been home runs. So if the numbers hold true, what you say is possible. Within the realm of possibility. That's that that that's yeah. one to ponder, huh? I mean, it just, make... it, I I think I think what you have to realize then is he might not hit 62 home runs this year, but there could be a chance that this kid could, as a Met, I know that's like you know, knock on wood, don't jinx it, but uh, like. We could see him hitting 62 all runs. Oh, sure. You know, we, we've seen... With the ball jumping the way it is now? We've seen wackier things. And I, what, MLB set a, a record for home runs this season, right? Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're talking about an era that exceeds the steroids era. There's, so, there's, you know. there's, um, there's home runs that look like the ball shouldn't based off of the swing. Like, you know, the human being gets used to when they are watching something like baseball over and over again. You get used to the natural elements of the game. And based off of how somebody swings, whether or not the ball has traveled before that far. And with some of these swings, the way the ball is now, uh, 
you just, you just don't you just weren't used to the balls going out the way they do with those swings. When Pete Alonso hits it, he'd be you know the ball is probably traveling farther because of just like we're talking about. You can't discount the idea, you know, from one player to the other. If if you're saying that the ball in general is consistently across the board going out more often than it ever has, you know, across the entire player board. Um, you know, Renee, Renee Rivera had never hit in professional games as many home runs as he did this year. Um, but at the same time, like when it, when it, when Pete Alonso swings, you're watching somebody hit a ball harder than you've ever seen anybody hit a ball. And as much as, as I, I think the fact that he's gotten to 45 so quickly from a Mets perspective, uh, yes, it is aided by the, the, uh, the, the ball potentially, but at the same time, he might not be that farther off if the ball weren't jumping the way it, it, it normally does. All right. Try, try this one off the side of them. Back in 1997, I forget what the number is, but it was an extraordinary number of players that hit 40 or more home runs that season. I, know, I can guarantee you the number exceeded 20. Uh, I used to have a blog on MLB back then. I remember writing it. Tino uh, Martinez, you said 1997? 1997. It was just an Tino extraordinary Tino Martinez amount of... Tino Martinez had 44 home runs. Well, the, uh, my point is it was an extraordinary number of players that hit over 40 home runs that season. Of course, we're talking about the steroid there. I can guarantee you the number was at least 20. I, You know, I, I'm almost willing to presently have 40 or more home runs. Alonzo leads with 45, but how many more? Yeah, Alonzo's up there now. Uh, You know, I don't know how many, but I know the number of 40 home run hitters today comes nowhere near the number of 40 home run hitters back in 1997. Let's see what the numbers are right now. Hold on. It just seems 2009 MLB more, totals. It just seems like more people are hitting home runs, and that you know the, the the home run hitters are just going to continue okay. hitting on average. So right now, now here's the question for you. Let's go all the way to. Okay, so let's assume these Yankee players are going to get to 40-40 home runs that are currently at 34, and that's Escobar and Sanchez, and Glaber Torres, actually. Not Escobar, sorry. Glaber Torres and Sanchez. Um, they're at 34 home runs. Josh Donaldson's at 34 home runs. Jeez. Who's Jay Bell? Uh, anyway. <laughs> Jay Bell is this unknown guy from uh, some city. <laughs> Pittsburgh. It's remarkable. Like, that's, that's not the J Bell. That's not the J Bell I remember. No, it's not the J um, Bell no, we're thinking of. Uh, so Nolan Arenado. So it brings up a great point how how anonymous some of these baseball players are compared to other sports. But I don't want to get off on oh, a yeah. tangent. No, 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 let's not. But but at the same time, like so, let's let's assume right now one, two, three. By the way, Matt, Mike Trout is tied for with Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso and Mike Trout have the same amount of home runs. Now let, let's let's just uh, let's let's talk about what I just said. <laughs> That's what Pete Alonso has gotten to this year, and Mike Trout has never hit home runs this way before this year, uh, even though we all knew he could. But he's having the best year of his career after signing this 13-year deal or 10 whatever it was, 13-year deal. But let's assume here, I'm going to go from. Let's assume nine players have 40 home runs at the end of the year. In the whole, all of major leagues. Right. 
you know what, 1997 is going to be, whatever the number ends up being this year, 1997, I guarantee you, will be three or four fold more. Let's see, 1997 home run totals. In the meantime, all right. I've been yes. I've been dying to put this stat out, and I want your opinion on this because I've been playing with numbers. All right, Pete Alonso, 45 home runs, 105 RBIs. Take away his home runs, he has net 60 RBIs. Cycling back to Wilson Ramos. Uh, he has how many how many home runs does he have this season? He has uh, I lost my notes. But hold on, because <laughs> <laughs> this is upsetting now. Hold on, just give me one second. I got it right here. Wilson Ramos has 13 home runs this year. Pete Alonso has 45. Like I said, Pete Alonso's net RBI is at 60. Ramos' and by the way, net RBIs are at 54. It can't, and it can't be. It can't be a podcast if we don't mention the 305-1849 flash by none other than JD Davis on the year. Um, I'm just so let's see. Plate appearances are half of those. So he could potentially be a 40 home run uh 100 RBI player if he had 600 at bats. He could potentially be. We don't know. Obviously maybe the idea is that he's been able to, but he's been getting more playing time in the second half and he's been exceedingly exceeding expectations. So I don't know. You think we're watching a blossoming superstar? Maybe, perhaps. Uh, I remember saying back in March, when Frazier and Lowry went down, that they could take their sweet time getting back because I wanted to see JT Davis. You know, I'll pat myself on the back for that one, but I'll even that out by saying. I thought Zach Wheeler was going to have a superlative season and just walk away, uh, you know, as a free agent and sign somewhere else. Well, he hasn't been, he hasn't had the season that I thought he would. Let's just say that. So there's my yin and yang yeah, no. today. That's a good point. That's a good point. You want to. You, you got anything else on the 2019? You got you got anything uh, else on the 2019 Mets? <laughs> nah, we're done. You want to give Steve Matz some love? He's three and one with the well, no decision in the, in his last five starts with a 210 ERA. How do you like that? Who'd you say? Who'd you say? Steven Matz. Steven Matz. Yeah, last five starts. He's, he's, he's going to be playing tomorrow against the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, yep. Yep, you know, right. Matz has stepped it up where Stroman has not. Let's just put good it point. that way. Good point. Good point. Last five starts. Oh, oh been and, super... and also, uh, I was going to say Syndergaard continues to respond to bad outings. So uh, it's yeah. Like the, I'm, not, I'm not throwing shade at him, but no, well, put. every time that he has he has a terrible outing, he's just like fuck that. Yeah. No. Well put. Anything else? Um, a little shout out to uh, uh, Jay Horowitz. He's been doing a pretty superlative job, to use one of your words, with this whole alumni uh, uh, thing. You know, there's been a lot of a lot of players showing up, and uh, keep up the good work, Jay. Well said. I agree a hundred percent. And it's it, when you compare it, you know, to the way things work. Uh, Great, great, great mention by you. Uh, All right, let's jump into the DeLorean. (laughs) (laughs) Let's jump into the DeLorean and uh, go into the past. Episode number 36, we like to uh, flash back to Mets players who warned the coinciding number. And this list, Sam, is rather unremarkable. We were mentioning it before the show. Uh, Long list. 
but nevertheless unremarkable. Uh, we've both seen it. Let's scan it. You know, uh, of late, Sean Gilmartin, Juan Centeno, uh, Colin McHugh. Man, he, he he's he's one who left the Mets and did well for himself for a while with Houston, right? Yes. Uh, Chris Capuano. Well, he, I mean, I'm pretty sure he doesn't even have a place on the Astros' uh, current starting rotation, right? But anyway, I'll, I'll no, look up that but, while you, know, you keep going. No, he just had a nice little stretch when he left, though. Uh let me see. And, and like I said, a rather unremarkable list. Uh, we all know what number 36 is all about, and that's Jerry Cruz. Uh, yes. I got to see him pitch. Uh, I would put, on their best day, I would put Tom Seaver and Jerry Kuzman up against any pitcher, a- any team's duo in any era. I, I mean that wholeheartedly. I, I think Jerry Kuzman was that good. Uh, and, and 1976 will always be a special year for me. It was, you know, somewhat unremarkable in the annals of Mets history, but after all, it was their second-best year to date. Uh, and Jerry Kuzman won 20 games that season, and I got to watch it up close, and just such a thrill, such a thrill. Uh, and, and the 86 season, wins is not, it's not too shabby for the the era. Obviously, it wasn't necessarily going to get you into anything unless this was 1973, when 82 wins got you into the the championship series. But um, you know, considering the young uh, budding franchise, which they were at the time, and had such a chance going into the free agent era to continue the remarkable run, you know, <laughs> 76 was a was was a turning point for the Mets and, and was indeed, you know, the last time for an era that the, the Shea fan had something really remarkable to root for that may have been better had the home run hitter of the era not gone down. I don't want to digress, but you said the magic words, free agency, uh, and Donald Grant and company, uh, they were so averse to free agency, unlike, uh, the owner across town, uh, you know, free agency. You mentioned that, and then Donald Grant's presidency broke out in a rash. But, uh, you know, the unfortunate and the, and the tragedy of Kuzman's career was obviously 77 and 78. He lost a total of 35 games over those two seasons. Uh, perhaps, you know, ruined an outside chance at the Hall of Fame. Uh, but 76 will always stand out. And, of course, you know, he was a world champion in 69 and uh, a National League champion again in 73. Uh, one of my top three all-time favorite Mets. Uh, I, I have a, I have a hard time struggling with that top three list, which are Kuzman, Staub, and McGraw. Uh, on any given day, any one of them can be first. But believe me, or believe you me, uh, you know, the next guy in line is, is, is very distant from those three guys. Uh, what's the other name on this on this list? Uh, Ed Lynch. I really, I just, I, I have to say, before you say Ed Lynch, I was going to say that um, it, it's kind of trendy to hate on Mickey Calloway. But do you re, you remember? <laughs> uh, you remember? You remember what I said before we started the show when I saw that Mickey Calloway's name was on here? Do you remember what I said? And if you you, you can quote me for the audience. Uh, no, by all means, repeat that. I can't quote you. Ew. <laughs> ew, ew, right. <laughs> and I think, I think, I think that, I think that, like, I'm realizing that I say it in part, part jest, but like, it's just, it's a very cliche thing these days to hate on Mickey Calloway. But you know what? He hasn't shown me yet that he he's going to be the one to take him to the promised land. He ain't no Buck Showalter type either. So, yeah. um. Uh, I, uh, you know, I was upset I, with I, 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 we, we talk, we talk about this as from number 36. Um, I'll also mention Sean Gilmartin, a rather, uh, very, very, uh, important arm out of that 2015 club. I just wanted to throw that out there before we go to, uh, Ed Lynch. Well, to me, one of the most underrated pitchers in Mets history. 
really not much more you can say. I'm just so glad uh, that they gave him a World Series ring, even though he had been traded uh, during the season. Uh, but he was there for for a good portion of his career, you know, like I said, good, competitive, solid pitcher. Uh, one of the most underrated in, in, in their history. I liked him. He had a fan in me. Ed Lynch, do you remember him? I don't. But I, I remember the name from the annals. That's that age gap. That's that age I wanted to mention the Kevin Baez, uh, Kevin Baez on here because uh, we didn't we didn't work with this Kevin Baez, but, but we worked with a Kevin Baez at our uh, old haunts and Rising Apple. So uh, considering that his name is on here twice, I just thought we'd throw that that out there. Hey Kevin. <laughs> there you go. Hi Kevin. And that's it. Oh, I'll also say Roger Craig. Ro- Roger Craig was number thirty-six for one day in nineteen sixty-three in July one, on a hot day. One day, Roger Craig. Fine, fine. Um, I got nothing else. Like I can't really. Darren O'Day, who should have had been number thirty-six a lot longer than he was given a chance to be. <laughs> All right, let's just. Uh... Let's just get your feel. Can I just man. say? Can uh, I just just like for a for a, a, a tease of next week or whenever the next show is, um, that uh, that history lesson is going to be pretty quick. It's episode number thirty-seven. Yeah, I'll say. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll cross that we'll cross that shave bridge when we get to it. Uh, what, the old professor will be teaching us. Yes. What's your mindset heading into these next ten games? Philly, Arizona, and LA, particularly that Arizona series, four games. I think you know, honestly, like I don't care one way or the other, whatever's going on with this wild card, I'm kinda just curious as to how we can perform against the Nationals right now. Isn't that I mean, I'm sorry, against the Dodgers, excuse me. Um, isn't that like really like what you, you're the most curious about? Like uh, can can we not get swept by the Dodgers? Uh, that's a good question. Swell. That's, but I agree with swell. the sentiment. <laughs> it would be swell. I agree with the sentiment. Uh, you know, I want to go up against the best at their best. You know, uh, that's to me that's the measure of uh, of a good ball of a good ball club. Excuse me. Uh, but hey, these next ten games are at home. If you take Two out of three from Philly. You take three out of four from Arizona. Roll the dice with L.A. Uh, that leaves 13 games left in the season. Who knows where we'll be at that point? Uh, we'll see where we are when we speak. We'll see where we are when we speak again on another Metsian podcast. Sam, my friend, what's your last word? Uh, resiliency. No matter where this team goes got to give some credit where credit's due as uh, even though there was still a feeling of loss after that two out of three against the nationals because of that middle game. Uh, but you got to give credit where credit's due for bouncing back and not losing that series. Um, I, I, I think that it's going to be a tough road for the 2019 New York Metropolitans, but they're so ever close to being a good team. And unfortunately, I think that they really need to look towards the managerial position for some motivation and some, some extra oomph that will be the deciding factor in some of these games that Mickey Calloway is not. Um, I, I think that obviously there's nothing that Mickey Calloway can do about the way how bad the bullpen is right now. It, it's pretty unremarkable how how awful it is, but um, and that's on Brody for sure. But at the same time, you you sit there with some managers, and I was kind of like like this with Terry, where you see where they're not the deciding factor in the middle of the game. I think that Terry. Terry had certain deciding factors for getting his teams, especially the, the good ones, 
through the thick of it at the end of the season. Uh, even if I think that he he both in 2015 and 2016 were some of the reasons why the Mets couldn't go all the way. Um, but I I think that Mickey obviously has something at certain points, considering that he's had some really good runs to start his career and to finish this season. So it's not yeah I guess you know right now 30 30 whatever you said in 18. Um, but there's something missing as of now in the way his, his thought process is, uh, even if the Mets bullpen can make it decidedly easier for him compared to what they have. Yep, 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 yep. I'm going to throw out a word, a final word for Rich. He used it last week. Controllability. The Mets lost that over their last 12 games. Uh, so here we are entering this homestand against Philly, Arizona, and L.A. My word uh, is contrarian. I'm going to continue to play contrarian and say the Mets are 15-12 and 12 since August 5th, and they're 4-2 and two over their last six games. Whoopee. Let's go, Mets. <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that, Sam. How do you like that? <laughs> Let's go. I'll leave it at that. So, uh, 10.06 in the evening, you've been listening to a Metsian podcast with Sam and Mike. On behalf of Rich, I thank you for your time this evening. Sam, take us home the only way you know how. Let's go, Mets. Let's go, Mets. Let's go, Mets. Take care, everybody. Good night. Thank you. Good night, Mike. Good night, Sam.